check, check. David T. Miller, folks. Loading artist. Audio inside. Loading artist. Audio inside. Oh, it's Artcast, it's Artcast, it's Artcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen by your easel, maybe you can grab a chair. Or even take it with you like you ain't got no care. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. So sit back and relax and grab your headphones too. Adjust your volume, it's hotcast. Philip J. Mellon welcomes you. So sit back. Oh yeah, it's Artcast. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. Hey, and welcome to Otcast. Be sure to check out the artist's websites or otcast.com and check out the work and links. All right, let's get started. This episode's guest is Paris-based painter Astrid Deke. Words of the day. Secret. Patience. Energy. Faith and sensuousness. In the conversation, Astrid shares a little bit about a special book she had as a child, and later what led her to live in New York from Buenos Aires, and then on to Paris where she now lives and works. And also, part of the interview was spent talking about how words affect looking at a painting and the experience. We talk about scale, the intimate painting process, and its inherent benefit when practiced daily. And be sure to listen as I read off some thoughts and a question for Astrid that was submitted by previous guest Lauren G. Levine. Thanks, Lauren. And do stay tuned for more. So let's welcome Astrid Deke to the program. Listen in. You can say Astrid. I I say Astrid Deke, but you can say Astrid Deke. I don't care. Like, whatever sounds good to you. (laughs) Okay, okay. It's a Danish name, and I grew up in Argentina, so we say Dick because it's Spanish for us, and it's the same pronunciation in Danish. But I like Astrid Dick too. It has kind of like a certain punch to it. Yeah, know? it's got like an exclamation point at the end or something. <laughs> <laughs> so I just wanted to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you. You're welcome. I guess for the listeners who may not know, I was wondering where you were from originally, and how did you end up in Paris? Hmm. I'm from Buenos Aires, Argentina, originally, and I was living in New York and um, in the early 2000s and uh, always dreamed of living in Paris. And then I, I met my future husband and very quickly I found a job in Paris before we actually decided to marry. And so I was here like in no time and it seemed that it was, you know, part of kind of my destiny. 
Yeah, that's cool. Really kind of just flowed into it like organically. Well, I always thought of the Buenos Aires, New York, Paris triangle, like growing up those three places. I was in Buenos Aires to begin with and then dreaming of Paris and just the energy of New York, you know, that I, I sensed. So it just kind of came together like that. I like yeah, it. That's cool. What were some of your first art experiences and when do you feel like you got serious about it? Uh, mine is a very atypical, you know, kind of bumpy road. Um, I was painting when I was a teenager on my own, just started sort of doing very expressionistic stuff. I didn't know what I was doing, but I just, you know, for the entire afternoon, I would lock myself up and paint. And, you know, I, I wouldn't go to museums a lot or anything. I just with school, uh, but I had this book that my godfather had given me when I was about seven, uh, which was small little story, but illustrated with paintings by Van Gogh. Okay. And um, I think that really looking back, this this book meant so much, and these paintings, I I think I I uh, they were kind of therapeutical. I projected so much upon them. They, they still, I can tell you so many stories related to this, the grain of this book. But in fact, back then I was using it as, uh, as my own, uh, reality. You know, I was choosing those paintings to become the place that I wanted to be in, to live as opposed to the reality that I had to live in at home. Yeah. And then, um, I went to, I was very into math and, you know, felt that I just, art was so what I did, you know, in my free time that, and then nobody really said, oh, you can go to art school. And I was also very much into mathematics and felt that that's something that I needed to have in order to better get a grasp of the world that I wanted to discover. And, um, and I cared about social issues as, you know, most young people, you know, do get politically involved. And I felt that economics was the right kind of coming. I mean, I found out later, I went to university and, and then I found that it was a kind of mix of also a certain creativity and ended up, you know, for many years being in academia. And on the side, I would draw, I, I would draw after the model for many years. Um, I learned classical drawing from Russians that had learned it in the Soviet Union in the 1940s and 50s who, you know, had learned it from um, painters that came from Italy before, you know. So it, there was this long tradition and I was just, you know, feeling grounded um, through that. But I was not finding my voice or anything because I didn't have the time and I had a double life where, you know, it wasn't, I felt a little bit of an imposter as an academic. And so at some point, to make the long story short, it just felt evident that I would just have to quit and dedicate all of my time to, to art. And I started painting right away. And it's sort of everything that I was doing as a teenager, it came back, you know, these kind of very gestural, expressionistic, but it was a vital need. 
I feel like your paintings have like a large feel. Uh, and of course I haven't seen them in person, but, um, and yet an intimacy simultaneously. And I was wondering if that's something you push or is that more of an intuitive or organic part of your process? It's very intuitive, but I really like what you just said because um, as intuitive as it is, I work with no preconception. I just yeah. try as much as possible to, you know, what I, what I say really nothing. But then um, how do you continue? When do you decide that it's finished? And what comes in between paintings, working on them, it's looking. And that's where, uh, you know, one thinks about uh, intimacy and space, as you brought it up. Uh, so I'm aware of these things, but um, I try to, I really try as much as possible without losing the tension of the moment to let the painting tell me, you know, what it is about. And it has happened that uh, I might be working on a painter for a long time or not. There is no uh, anything systematic about it. Um, and then the painting tells me exactly, you know, what it's about. Like the content becomes very specific and that's what determines that, you know, the painting has a structure, has a, has a meaning and that the paint, painting is finished. And, um, and it's, it's, uh, it's a strange thing, but it, 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 you know, once that happens, you know, I was trying it for a while and feeling unsure, but then when, when you see that happen, you experience that, then you start having some faith in that process. You give up yourself more to it and more, and you come back to it and you wait and you just, and you know that, you know, at some point it's going, everything is going to become, uh, there's like a very clear correspondence be between who you are, something in you, you yeah. see it, you recognize it, and that's it. That's, and maybe you just need to work a little bit, like a few brush strokes, but it's given to you. You just have to stay in this place. Um, and that's how it works. The, the, the trade-off or maybe the, the danger of that kind of uh, process is that you might loosen up too much, that you know, you, you're willing to do anything and everything because you go to the studio and you say, well, you know, I work in the long haul anyway, so I can just destroy this painting. And, but then you lose that um, excitement and that fierceness that has um, a performative act of painting, like, you know, painters of the past that would have to work in one day the giornata, you know, do the fresco. And like, so for me, it's about, you know, keeping that tension. Is there, I feel like uh, as you were speaking, I the, the word that popped into my head was faith. Do you feel like that's a part of, say, and you're at a middle point in a painting where you don't necessarily know where it's going, just to continue on type thing? Or Yes. Yeah. Faith is, is huge. The daily practice of the studio helps keep the faith, maybe even increase it, because you see that when you stick through it, you stick through the mud, that actually, you know, um, leads to something and it it's it, it not only not only leads to a painting that will be resolved but it also leads to a transformation in you and that's very powerful and so in a way you know your your faith kind of gets more grounded but yeah i do think you know faith it's a huge word but i i do think that that's that's what it comes down to i mean it's crazy right we we painters we lock ourselves away from the world yeah. in a small or big studio, whatever you, you know, you can, uh, you have available, but you shut off the world and 
um, you spend the most, the best, because in terms of energy, hours of every day of your life. That's that's what it is. And um, at some point, I think every painter asks herself, well, you know, do I want to? Like, this is like, my life is taking place here, yeah. day in, day out. Is this what... And I think if we do it, if we continue doing it, one, because we have no choice. And two, even if we didn't have a choice, we might like say, well, you know, I'd rather die than do this or, you know, or whatever, or like try to save the world in a different way. Um, The second thing is faith. Faith that this thing that we do, which kind of is like nonsensical, if you look at it as an outsider, you know, like somebody moving around, putting colors, <laughs> um, is that it actually builds meaning. Yeah. Previous Oddcast guest, Lauren G. Levine, had sent in a question and a couple thoughts for Astrid. Listen in as I read them off. Thanks. A previous guest that was on the podcast, Lauren G. Levine, and I had asked her to send a question for you. This is her speaking. It's uh, looking at your work. I feel a kinship with you as a painter. I can't help but wonder what you feel when you're painting, like physically, emotionally, and mentally. And then something about color, like she was, she's attracted to your use of color, and then she feels like she can sense a strong relationship between what you feel and the colors you choose. And she's wondering, do you mix beforehand, like in the beginning with a certain color or palette? No, that's that's wonderful because I mean it's it it actually touches me very much because you know that's her question is to me capturing very much what painting is about, which is about communication, and it's so so strange at the same time because we don't really control it, but it happens. It's real, yeah. and these things, you know, these situations where you you know you actually are in dialogue with someone else that you don't know and in a very intense, intimate manner. That's, that's real. That is what, you know, painting at its best. So that's why I'm touched because my painting, you know, if, if it can do that and it doesn't always succeed, but at the same time, you cannot set yourself out there to actually, you know, say something. It just, just have to sort of give yourself to the process. And then, you know, you, you act as a, really as a conduit, um, yeah. as esoteric as it sounds, I think, you know, a lot of painters recognize that because um, you are there in this place and you start, maybe you have an idea of something, you know, maybe you had a dream of a painting. So maybe you start with that. Usually I don't even start with it. Maybe you say, oh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make a door because um, I dreamt of that. I, I see it. But you start with that, and right away, the moment that you put, or you want to, you know, you you have this brush uh, in yellow, like transparent, like acid yellow. Okay, I'm gonna do this. But the moment you do that, everything that you had, you know, preconceived that you had yeah. envisioned, goes away because now you're in the present moment. Right. And that's what painting does. It brings you to the present moment. And there's nowhere else to go but to respond to that. And so. All the information is there in front of you and it will call the next step, sometimes less clearly. And that's where, you know, so she's asking, how do I feel? Well, you know, it's not always a, a, a nice inspirational ride. I mean, sometimes I feel I'm completely lost. Sometimes 
I don't see, it's like, you know, I, I love color. Like color is like, I could say it comes to me. Well, you know, there are moments when I feel like I don't even see it. Like, mm -hmm. oh, well, luckily it doesn't happen very often, but there are times when I'm pushing, like I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm trying to kind of take control over it. I think that's what happens. And then it just, everything goes away. And I feel like I'm not even a painter. I don't see anything, everything is the same. So those moments, you know, because they have happened in the past, now I know better how to deal with them. And you sort of stay there and then it, things come to you again and you start and, you know, you break it into small steps, just one brush strokes after the other. And then things, it's like cooking, you know? And like at some point, like the pace starts like taking shapes and like tension builds up and, and everything becomes evident. And you're there in the moment, like everything is like the world, aligning in every dimension and you're there yeah. you know that's really cool um i have this one question and i just saw what you wrote for archspiel uh i just read that today mm. so i almost feel like this question is like something i could toss out but i just like it so much because <laughs> it, it has to do with words you know and i i feel like i i just grasped you know a little bit about what you were trying to say about words and related to painting but um, and I was wondering if you could use three to five words to describe your work <laughs> like from that. any angle. So, uh -huh. from any angle, or or there could be a phrase or separate words or intuition. Yeah, uh, has to be there. Energy, energy, and I don't always succeed. I'm not saying that energy is always in my work. It's Sometimes it's there, I think, because of the way I work, but it's certainly something that I strive for because I realize that what that is what touches me in in painting. When I see other paintings, the painters that I admire, and energy in particular, I think a, a, a kind of sensuousness. Yeah. Um, and having said that, so I intuition, energy, and uh, rigor is also something that's very much in my work and, yeah. you know, more or less, but that I strive for. And because, you know, I don't work, so I don't work after the model. I don't work after a motif. Mo most of the time I don't very rare. I used to, but I don't anymore. I have been working like I, even figured when I work figuratively, you know, from my own imagination for like the last 10 years. And now it's become really abstract. So when you work abstractly, what is a fixed point? You don't have the motif. So how do you let go? How do you, because if you just let go, well, then, you know, you're, you need something else. You need something to bring you back yeah. and fix and remove anything that's arbitrary and give a certain structure. And, and so that's where the rigor comes in. And I think the rigor when we work abstractly comes, um, I mean, I don't know, but I feel it more and more. There is something inside of you that kind of tells you, you know, you, you start being able to see better. And it's all about self-knowledge. You know, when am I being indulgent? When when am I, you know, being too soft? When am I? Uh, and and um, and but this rigor is, is 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 crucial. And and I think it has to to do with 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 faith because you know it's what gives you the patience to not jump into 
to not jump to conclusions, to not say, well, you know, this looks pretty enough. I think it's finished. Let's go yeah. to the next painting, you know, but say, no, not really. I, I need to keep working because that's where the rigor comes in. But I, but, but intuition is really the beginning of my work and maybe in between the rigor and what I strive for is really the, the energy of life, you know, sensuousness and eroticism and, you know, all the lusciousness of life that that's paint. I mean, when you open up a tube of paint, that's what it is for me. That's why I paint to be painting oil, for instance, yeah, yeah. as opposed to doing something else. There are so many, I would love to do ceramics or, you know, there are just so many, but the thing about like oil paint, which comes, comes out of the tube, like, I mean, pigment in oil, it's just, I mean, I can't resist. Yeah. I'm very basic about it, actually. <laughs> What's that? I'm very basic. I mean, it's like a basic instinct. Maybe that's another word. For this like this add. element, just this uh, on the base level, I guess you could say. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. After that, it becomes alchemical, maybe. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> the alchemy. Uh, I had a couple of words that I actually put together a little phrase. Because of something you said earlier, and that's why I brought up this question again. But it, I think you were trying to say like things just come together and there's almost like an explosion or whatever uh, in some way. And I feel like uh, some of your paintings are results of a great collide of like whether it's ideas or physicality of paint um, when you finish a painting potentially. And I also thought about um, like, I don't know why I think of the word hypnotic. And so naturally from that, I thought about the two words together being painting potion. Mm, wow. So, <laughs> yeah. I, and I, I really I, appreciate the good <laughs> photographs you take of your paintings because I can, I, you can definitely tell they're oil and they're just like such a nice display on the website. So, so that's cool. Well, thank you. I, I, I like the painting potion and the, hypnotic mm. i was curious about maybe some other work have you done anything other than painting like anything experimental at all well i i'm always making videos and oh, yeah. uh, and actually it's a it's pretty important to me nobody looks at them or cares for them or i don't even show them but uh, i mean not not that i wouldn't want to show them but i uh, i i i i'm always making video um i have like a uh, these vignettes, like a journal keeping with videos, and I try to make them really quickly. I don't do them every day, but it depends. Of the thing is, the moment that you stop to look at something, no matter what it is, just the pavement stuff is gonna happen. Yeah. And so um, I feel that video is great as as a medium for that, and and it you know eventually this kind of looking at the world of course the observation fits into painting because painting is that but but for me video helps me capture these things you know that are very ephemeral and that are out there there's so much richness stuff that happens um that's i think the most experimental for me and um but i also have done sculpture you know but it's it's in a way it's very much related to painting and the way i paint 
because I touch the paint a lot. I almost feel like, you know, and because I kind of go excavating, you know, I like put yeah. and remove and it, it does feel like working with clay would feel. Um, yeah, I think video though is, is really, I sing sometimes. I mean, I sing not very well, but <laughs> or play a little bit of the piano and then mix these voices, um, do all sorts of things in video that, you know, it's so experimental. I'm so, my videos are so artisanal because I don't have a steady practice. I don't know anything about, you know, I just work with my iPhone and used to work with my camera, but, you know, just, um, I edit them in the Final Cut Pro. And I, at the same time, I feel that they're a parallel practice that it's kind of secret, you know, but yeah. that's important to me. That's cool. Are they... Was, did you do you go after light so much in the video or did I go after do you go after light or you try to capture light different lighting conditions like or as a subject or yeah yeah but it's it's more um uh, serendipity it, it it is very random it, it what presents itself to me it can be animating drawings in the studio or all the way to just capturing, yeah, sunset or, you know, and trying to, or, or maybe the way that, um, leaves, you know, through rays of sun will reflect on an object and it, it can, it can be anything. Yeah. It can be noises. I feel like I'm okay. It's interesting. I like this question very much because sometimes I don't think it's really a finished video that, you know, even for myself, like out as even for journal keeping, yeah, it doesn't cut it, but I feel like it's material. Like, it, you know, I keep it like it's, if it's like interesting sound or interesting image, like one day it will come in handy. I do yeah. have this aspect of my work. I actually, um, now my, I had a wonderful studio, very cheaply, a huge, um, that was de just demolished. So I have a new studio, which is further away, more expensive, uh, much smaller, uh, not as light and cold and humid and so on. Um, but um, when I had the previous studio, now I put the stuff in storage, but I would accumulate all these things because thinking that, you know, things will come handy. And that's how I started yeah. sculpture, because I had found so much stuff. And one day painting was not working and I just started working with wood. Yeah, that's cool. I noticed you had one uh, on your website that one of the paintings are actually it's a mirror, isn't it? I think you had it listed as mirror yeah, with a frame. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, that's one example. Like, you know, I didn't I didn't plan that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I was curious if you have a quote that you'd like to share. Well, given that you've read my article, I think it's particularly pertinent and that we're talking here. Um, but it's a joke. It's from Goethe. And I actually had it as a as an opening citation in the article, but it was removed later. It's from Goethe and uh, the, the German poet, let's talk less and draw more. Yeah. After reading that, that essay and learning a little bit more about how you 
view words i was like uh, this is like <laughs> i feel like maybe i should do a collaborative painting with you instead of a podcast because it's <laughs> like all it's all it is is words so <laughs> but I, was, I was being i was i was i was joking i actually when you when you asked about the the citation you know and given that we spoke about the article it just seemed very fitting but of course yeah that's the thing. I mean, we cannot avoid words, and and words are so useful. I I guess my point, you know, in that article, the main point is, for me, that we live in a world that puts too much emphasis on the analytical and and yeah. and um, on on language, and that is to the detriment of a deeper perception of the world. That's where yeah. we're at. It's not a problem for us painters, for artists. I mean, our whole life is about removing all those layers that uh, uh, create um, noise for us yeah. uh, to really perceive the world. But so, so I think artists are very much aware. But but you know, but even some artists are very much in their heads and are not willing to let go of you know, the purely analytical. So I guess, you know, what to me is important is, is kind of try to, you know, to remind myself that it is normal to feel that there's too much of the rational and that, you know, it is, it is suffocating when there's, because there's not a balance. But of course, here we are using the, the beauty of words quite precisely to ex to talk about what we do in you know what the meaning in our lives and why we paint yeah. and what our painting is about it's very efficient and it's it's powerful to and you know i wouldn't want to give away this this faculty it's just that we rely too much on it yeah it's funny because you know this is a podcast and we're having a conversation to talk about painting which is visual so how you know it seems to be like a like slightly tweaked uh, you know conversation <laughs> about something then if if you were at, if we were in a gallery looking at work it'd be much different conversation i think in a way yeah yeah maybe more silence i don't know yeah no but it, at the same time you're right you know it, it, it's interesting because i i i say all these things about how words you know they get in the way of our real, really seeing things, but at the same time, how exciting it is, right, to go with with someone to a museum, to a gallery, and look at a painting, a painting that doesn't give herself to you right away, and yeah. uh, maybe never, right? If it's a really good painting, and you know, you're looking at it with your friend, and especially a painter friend, might you know, and 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 you start seeing, and, and all of a sudden, like something is revealed to you, like you're so excited, you want to share this, you know. And so so yeah. so that's that is, I mean, but but I guess maybe another caveat is that we we talk too much, but also too quickly, and that's where the judgment comes in. Because yeah. it comes through the rational brain, and so it is the rational brain that is trying right away to decide, so I can actually, you know, determine that the task is resolved and do other things, and so that that is what is dangerous, the judgment. And so when you come into a museum and if you read the the words of a curator. If it's well written, then it will open up your experience, but it could also very much narrow it because now you have this thing in your head and you're going to look at things through that lens. So I think maybe t 
take time before we ourselves are looking at something and jump to conclusions. Yeah. And that's where words come in. Um, to like classify it. Is that, does that sound like it applies or? Yeah. Classify it, categorize it, you know, put it in a, in one of those boxes and then move on. Yeah. I mean, I, I realized, you know, when I was writing this article, I realized that here I'm writing about oh words and how we should like really be more silent in front of visual works. And, and then, you know, I think of the way I look at painting, I'm so judgmental. Like I look at stuff and I'm like, oh, I don't like it. You know, like right away, I don't like it. You know, it's like, I mean, come on, I, am the, I, I need to learn to shut up and, and, and make sure that I find my own biases. Yeah. And what is, you know, because it is my rational mind saying, oh, well, no, that kind of painting you don't like. So move on. So I'm not really looking. So so it's a, it's really, especially for me to to remind myself that, you know, at least to be curious about my own biases. Yeah. And therefore what might prevent me from from actually seeing things. And, and so that's how, you know, I operate probably everywhere, because if I judge a painting then I'll probably judge a book, you know, by its cover and I'll probably judge a person just by the way they, you know, it's like, yeah. it's, you know, that's how then I operate in the world. So it's very important to, and that's the beautiful thing about art and, and painting in particular, that I do believe that what we do in the studio and these discussions, they're not only eventually useful for making better painting, but it's about becoming a better person in the world. How you, you know, you can take the experience, what happens, the transformation that takes place in the studio, eventually one can take it to the world and how right. one is in the world. Yeah. When you, when you step out the studio. Yeah. And that's, what's also really exciting about, you know, I remember, you know, when I was really asking myself that I had quit my job, you know, very wonderful academic job because I had a lot of freedom, you know, so I could have done painting on the side. And, and I was wondering, well, you know, why do, do you really want to do this for the rest of your life? And, and, and beyond the fact that I felt that, you know, I really had no choice. I also felt that painting is a good way to live because it does, it does translate, translate, it can translate into the way you are in the world and painting can only teach you good things because you know it it i mean it's a hard road you know you learn humility you learn patience you yeah. learn how little you know that you know in fact that you don't know anything and that you have to be student your whole life and it opens up your curiosity and you know your learning uh to your willingness to learn for the rest of your life and so if you can take this to the world then you know you you can certainly become better because then you you're going to become less judgmental because you're going to I mean you know anyway that 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 I, I don't know there you know that that could lead us into another discussion of whether you know art makes for better people and I don't know it, it is not always the case <laughs> we have some yeah. <laughs> samples in our history but correlation wise I think that it's pretty positive correlation I was curious if you have a figure from history that you would like to entertain or have a conversation with that could be present day or someone who's no longer with us or um i think of so many uh and i think 
um, we spoke of Van Gogh. Van Gogh would certainly, because I think, you know, the kind of person that, painter that I like to have as interlocutor, I think, um, would have to be someone that likes to, you know, can say something, some painters might not necessarily articulate, but also someone, someone that I want to hang out with. Yeah. And I think Van Gogh would be, but then, you know, um, Van Gogh wrote a lot of letters to his friends, to his brother. So we know a lot of his thinking. And so I think that if I really had to choose someone, it would be El Greco. Okay. Because he was doing this crazy expressionistic painting in the 16th century. Yeah. And I certainly think that there was nothing wrong with his eyes. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I like to hang out with him and ask him, so so what do you think? Like, you know, these figures, like, they're very... Because it's crazy. Like, nobody was doing this. Like, he was making these very elongated figures, these crazy gestures, you know, to build them. And a crazy palette that nobody had seen, you know, that, you know, and people still say, you know, that, oh, he had a problem. He said, like, these acid colors, like, you know, primary, you know, it's crazy. And that he was doing it pretty systematically so it seems to me that he really knew what he was doing yeah and that just blows my mind so yeah i think i i would have to go with el greco next up i share what painters come to mind when i think about and look at astrid's work turner came to mind when i was looking at some of your work huh yeah just the sort of like i mentioned the collide earlier just this sort of like burst of of light and very, you know, of course, it, it, they weren't as thick. There was some delicate layers going on, of course, with his paintings. But um, I just thought about like s- at certain times in your work, like a like a dominant color, which could be seen as the sun, and then how it reflects the rest of it, in a way. So I don't know. That just he came to mind earlier, and then of course um, Howard Hodgkin. Oh yeah. Yeah, and that was pleasant to think of him again today. Well, I lo- I love this. Too. Well, Howard Hodgkin is certainly an artist that I have looked at a lot and that I I love and I feel a kinship with. You know, I that you know I I go back to his work over and over again. Um, you know, there is something about the brush or the energy that that inhabits his brush. I I I feel I feel connected to that very much. Yeah. But the materiality of Turner, I like. I never thought of you know, the Turner related to my work. I mean, it's very indirect. No, no, never thought about it in those terms, but, but it's true that the, the, the materiality that he had and the, the fact that, I mean, he has a lot of white, which I don't use very, very rarely. Um, but I, I, I very much, it pleases me enormously that you actually, you know, thought of him when looking at my work. Like the romantic side of it. Hmm. Just, oh, yeah. you know, I oh, mean, yeah. there, there's a song in every one, you know, there's uh, a, there's a song in every one of them. So, uh, and maybe that was going to be, I didn't actually have that as, as an official question, but do you listen to music while you paint? I love that. What you just said. Um, I do and I don't because I get sometimes, uh, so into it that, you know, I feel that I need total science and silence. Yeah. Like I cannot, because, you know, I, I, I am so 
I am so close to music. Like music is like, I, I die. Like I, I need music in my life. Yeah. And so when I put a record and I have a, a turntable and like old records and that I, I've been so lucky to find here and there around in my life. And, you know, they're so powerful. Like a, a, an LP is like, you know, it just, you feel like almost like the orchestra is there and yeah. you, you can, and, and so it, it, it's just too powerful, you know. You you even feel the vibrations in your body, and and so it, sometimes I cannot. Uh, but uh, I guess you know half of the time I do when I when I work late at night, I I do I like to listen to, you know, Jimi Hendrix and yeah. <laughs> you know pretty powerful musicians like that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then I, but I, you know, I have to feel that I'm in tune with a kind of universe and sometimes I am. And so I go there because I know it's not going to be an, um, something that's orthogonal to what I'm doing, but very much kind of a parallel universe. And, uh, and f- yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a way to get the, the sensuousness going, <laughs> You know, yeah. but, but, but one has to be careful with that. You know, you don't want, you don't want too much of that. You, you have to create your own. And, um, and the thing, what you said about romantic, uh, I, I am, I am very much romantic. That that's how I experience the world. You know, there's, there's this tragic aspect and at the same time, a sweet nostalgia, you know, because it's not it's not about losing faith. It's about kind of yeah, realizing the you know, the certain loneliness of life and the difficulty and walking all alone in the woods and feeling connected with nature at the same time and so blessed, all happening, all true at the same time. Thanks to Astrid Deke for being on the show. And do seek out the article Astrid wrote for Artspiel. I'll put up a link to that on the Artcast blog at artcast.com. And don't forget to also check out more of Astrid's work at astriddeek.com. This has been Artcast. I'm your host, Philip J. Mellon. Thanks for listening. And keep the dialogue going. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me ask you this. Define abstract art. Oh, come on. Okay, here's a better one. What does this painting mean? I'm getting nowhere with this. Forget it. Artcast Home is A-H-T. C-A-S-T dot com. Thanks again. Sounds like the party's over, but you can still stay connected. Otcast Audio is on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher, and now on Google Podcasts. Otcast Social on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. Let's not forget about Instagram. Thanks for tuning in.